know, I had a lot of friends in Guatemala when I left. They were like, oh, you're gonna go over there and you know, you're gonna, you're gonna become like, you're gonna be like selling tacos on the street. And you know, after I graduated, I was like, well, I guess I am selling tacos. To be honest with you, becoming an entrepreneur was an accident a little uh-huh. bit. When I was like, okay, if I, I can basically take these like almost $20,000 that were saved there and then just invest all of that. So I was like, I was like, I have no money left. I'm just gonna invest it all into making the first 1,000 sets. They sold out, you know, like in less than a week. And they were like, you know what? This is a really good product. And um, they saw the potential in it and they were like, let's invest heavily in it and it's paid off. It's a centuries old game known as the Mexican bingo that has seeped its way into other Latin American countries and the United States. La Loteria is a game Mike Alfaro played with his family growing up in Guatemala. Each card has a distinct design, like el pescado, which has a red fish drawn on it, or la dama, which has an elegantly dressed lady on it. But when Mike immigrated to the United States for college and started his career here, he felt the cards were a little out of touch with popular culture. In 2017, tired of his job, Mike decided to quit and make his own version of the game, calling it Millennial Loteria. That same La Dama card was replaced with La Feminist, and where she once held a bunch of flowers, there was now a picket sign. La Sirena, a drawing of a mermaid, was replaced with La Selfie, a drawing of a mermaid taking a selfie center stage. The idea took off and today has sold more than 500,000 copies all over the world. Mike Alfaro joins Business School today to tell us how meeting actor Olivia Munn encouraged him to start his entrepreneurial journey, how he went from producing Super Bowl commercials to making games, and how he managed to get Millennial Loteria into Target and Walmart stores around the country. Plus, he answers questions from small businesses around the country looking for a little advice. I'm journalist Fernando Hurtado, and on Business School, I'm on a mission to map one of the fastest growing groups of entrepreneurs in the United States, Latinos. We're tracking how they got started, found success, and the most important lessons they've learned along the way. And remember, business school is expensive. Business school is free. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right. Welcome to Business School, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for stopping by. I have to start with this question mm-hmm. with the original Loteria. Yes. What is your favorite card? The original Loteria, La Sirena, uh, but there's like the censored version of La Sirena where she, you know, there's another uncensored version of La Sirena where she's like just topless out there. And so that was growing up my favorite card. I think it was, uh, but I remember people uh, coming in and like, uh, with like La Abuelita, she would have to come in with a Sharpie and be like, okay, I'm going to like put a top on her. So ours is, you can see ours has been uh, made for, for public consumption. For safe any, for work. Safe for work. Yeah. Ours has been safe for work. Yeah. yeah. And what's your favorite card of your Millennial Loteria? Um, I love, you know, I have a La Selfie. I think just the update of it. I think that's, for me, that's the card that, um, you know, really defined what this project was going to be and kind of became a, a, a calling card, I guess, for what Millennial Loteria was. The idea of La Sirena taking a selfie, I thought was really funny and very millennial. And I instantly knew what the project was going to be once I had that in mind. 
Okay, when it just so happens to be the top card too. Yeah, so I exactly. Have it right here, so we have <laughs> La Sirena taking a selfie, and the card is called uh, La Selfie. La Selfie. I want to get into Milano Loteria uh, in a bit, but I want to start with your story when it begins in the United States. So yeah. you grew up in Guatemala, sí. then you immigrated here for college. You go to Chapman University in California, and in college, you start doing this YouTube show, this internet show called mm -hmm. Hey Guata. Yeah. <laughs> what was that about? Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I saw someone on TV, if you know her, she's Olivia Munn. She, I think I know her. You yeah. know her, yeah. <laughs> Back then, she was hosting a show on, on the G4 network, mm -hmm. uh, and it was all about nerdy culture. And I was, I mean, I'm still super nerdy, but it was something I really liked. It was about internet and about pop culture, and it seemed like a different kind of talk show that, I, that I've seen before. And I was like, she's really cool. You know, I'd love to meet her one day. And I realized, you know, celebrities only hang out with other celebrities. Famous people only hang out with famous people is what I thought. So I was like, I need to become famous enough so that I can be friends with Olivia Munn. Okay. And this YouTube channel was just me doing different things like training, uh, you know, to become famous. And it was all kind of a joke. And I didn't think that it would, something would actually happen. And then, you know, her fans started becoming fans of the, this little YouTube show sent it to her and one day she was like hey i'd be down to meet this kid and it, you know she came down from from la down to orange county and we filmed stuff together it was really awesome and that's when i realized like wow like there is a power on the internet to like if you put your ideas out there and you connect with people you can things will happen you can make things come true like and that's when i realized i could do whatever i want if i really harness the power of the internet and what year was this this was in 2000 and 10, 2010, okay. 2000, so I, yeah, around I think that's that time. like nascent, like social, social internet where you can make movements happen. And, Twitter and, was new. And IRL stuff, yeah. Yeah, Twitter was still kind of new, you know? I remember being like, people didn't know what Twitter was. You'd have to, if I want to post a picture on Twitter, I'd have to like text it to a number and then that would go somewhere else. So it was all very like new in social media, yeah. And walk me back to, to how you met her. You were hosting a show at your university. Yeah. It was like a show that you did as part of, you know, I'm sure it was part of like the film TV track, I imagine. Yeah, I was I was uh, studied public relations advertising with a minor in television, and there was a uh, show called Nightcap that they produced. It was for student, student run, and it ran on public access. Uh, and, you know, students would get work the cameras. It was just basically a whole production that was student run. And they actually were looking for a host mm -hmm. and they saw that I had been doing this YouTube series because it kind of became popular at Chapman University. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, this could be awesome to like come and, and host something. And so really from that Higuara, they saw me, they wanted me to host this show. I hosted it for that night and that's where Olivia came down to surprise me there at the, at the show. And you were fully surprised. I was surprised. I had a little, uh, they gave me a heads up right before being like, hey, we don't want you to like freak out, but like Olivia Munn's gonna be here. And I was like, whoa, okay, so like, let me just like get ready. And I had a, a little segment planned with her that we were gonna do, but it was very shocking to like actually see her in person. They kept her away the whole time until it was time for her to be like, come on out. And then that's when I first met her. And what'd she say? She was, I honestly, I think I blacked out, but she was the nicest person ever. She, uh, you know, gave me so much advice on what to do career wise. And I think I followed a lot of those things throughout my career, just thinking back to what she said. Um, and then I, you know, one time I was walking at Comic-Con, which was like mm -hmm. the craziest thing. I was walking down Comic-Con and I hear someone say, hey, Guara, hey, Guara. And I'm just like, but I, I, I didn't hear it first. And my friend was with me and 
they were like, hey, can you, uh, yeah. someone's calling you. And I was like, who is it? And I turn around and it's Olivia Munn, oh. like in a sea of fans, like all these fans, yeah. like all these nerds around her. She's like, Guara. And then all of these like nerds just part. And they just let me walk to her. We say hi, and we're like friendly, and it was like the coolest experience ever. Uh, so to me, that was like really, really cool to to see someone that was like that popular actually yeah. remember you and be nice. And I don't know, it was, I, I've always had really good experiences with her. Yeah, and I think it had some kind of like entrepreneurial DNA. Obviously, it wasn't like you know, it wasn't a business per yeah. se, but like you launched your own thing that generated something and. and a movement in a way, even if it was like a movement, you know, a very like, intimate movement, uh, but that clearly other people were watching too. But after college, you don't go and become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Instead, you go and you work at an ad agency. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, becoming an entrepreneur was an accident a uh-huh. little bit, but I had to learn a lot of skills mm-hmm. Uh to get to the point where I am. I just didn't know I was learning them, you know, uh, until I really needed them. So I went and studied advertising. So I um, I was in a H-1B student visa. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, I went into a work visa and uh, I worked for the agency that created the Live Mas campaign, okay. uh, the Doritos Locos Tacos campaign. So Live Mas is Taco Bell. Live Mas is Taco Bell, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's what I was working with. You know, I had a lot of friends in Guatemala when I left. They were like, oh, you're going to go over there and, you know, you're going you're gonna to become like, you're going to be like selling tacos on the street. Oh, right. And, you know, after I graduated, I was like, well, I guess I am selling tacos, but I'm not really doing it on the street. You know, I'm doing advertising campaigns. Uh, and so I worked there for, you know, three years uh, working, doing a lot of the creative and writing commercials and really understanding the craft of what it is to sell and make marketing. Um and I kept working in advertising until later on when I kind of had, I was like, I'm done with advertising. You know, I want to do my own thing. I got in my, um, my uh, residency, not, not my citizenship yet, but like my residency. And I could- So you I weren't could tied work. to a job. I then. weren't tied to a job then. So I was like, yeah. oh, now I can quit my job and I can just find something that's that's mine, that, that I can create. And I'll, that's when Millennial Loteria came about. Okay, so you you work your way up pretty nicely in, in advertising. What was your your role before you decided to leave? So I was I started out as an intern okay. in advertising, and the creative director of the agency, the, the Hispanic creative director, quit uh, around the same time that I was interning. And they were like, "Hey, does anybody here know Spanish? Because somebody needs to finish these Spanish commercials." And I was like. You hablo español, I know Spanish. They're like, you speak Spanish? I was like, yeah, I speak Spanish. Like, they didn't know me. I was an intern. I was like, I can help you translate these scripts. I can write everything down in Spanish. I'm a native Spanish speaker. Like, I understand it. Trust me. Like, I'll do a good job, right? And they're like, fine, you'll do the job for like the next two weeks while we hire someone else. They never hired anyone else to do that job. I just kept working. I got hired like the next month as a junior copywriter. The next year, I became a copywriter, a senior copywriter. And then after that, I, I left and uh, went to another job and became a creative director. Wow. And I, I had a goal of being a creative director by the time I was 30. I was like, that was my goal. I want to be a creative director by the time I'm 30. I got it when I was 29. Wow. So then I was like, okay, what's my next dream? What's my next goal? And then so that's when it came you, about. You get the residency and it, I get, it gives you a little bit of freedom, right? To kind yeah. of think. So you, you quit your job mm-hmm. and what do you do? Uh, well, I started, uh, I went to Guatemala. I went back home for a little bit. Uh, now, once you have your, your, your residency, you can go in and out mm-hmm. easier. So I went back and visited my family. I hadn't visited in a while. And I was home and um, I was looking at the uh, the old Loteria set that I had, uh, that I grew up playing, you know. The yellow Yeah, box. the box, the Don Clemente sort of version. And I was just like, 
you know, seeing the cards and realizing how outdated they were compared to nowadays, uh-huh. you know, and this was around um, the time that the Me Too uh, women's marches uh-huh. were going on at the same time. And so that was very in the sidegeist of the, sidegeist of the moment. Uh-huh. And I remember uh, looking at La Dama, uh-huh. the card of La Dama, and at the same time as I was looking at her, all these women were marching uh-huh. like on TV, on the street, just like thousands of women with like Las Pancartas with their signs and everything. And I was like, wow, if this was today, this wouldn't be La Dama, this would be La Feminist. And I was like, oh, that's a fun idea. That's cool. Maybe like to support the movement, I can create, recreate the card and just make it La Feminist now. So that was the first card from the set that came about. Um, and then I was like, oh, it'd be fun. You know, then I saw La Sirena and I was like, oh, it does kind of look like she's kind of taking a <laughs> selfie, you know? And I was like, oh, that's, that'd be funny if she was La Selfie yeah. and I just put a cell phone in her hand. And these and, ideas just kept coming. And then you. I was like, this is cool. I should... I, sh- I wonder if how many more I can do, how many more I can modernize. And then El Catrin became El Hipster, mm-hmm. you know, eh, El Mundo became La Student Debt because it feels like it's the weight of the world on your. Yeah. And so I realized I could make something that was modern related to my generation and spoke to us in a way that was still keeping the traditional feel of Loteria. Uh-huh. You know, that thing that made me feel nostalgic, um, but also modernizing to a way that was more of the times that reflected our culture. Like a bridge almost between generations. Exactly. But also when you say I made, you were just making digital versions of these. Yes. I was just doing, this was, again, this was only something that I thought I'm going to post on my Instagram. I'm going to post on my, you know, on on my, my, my Facebook at the time. Um, So you post them. Yeah. I started posting them and then my friends were like, you know, oh my God, I love this. You know, this is so cool. People who knew Loteria, you know, um, and I just started posting them for fun and they just started to blow up. And all of a sudden I started getting thousands of followers and calls from, you know, different Latino outlets that wanted to talk about what I was doing, the project. And it got really popular to the point where I was just getting thousands and thousands of requests of being like, where can I buy this? Okay. I need to be able to buy this game. Or like, And I hadn't finished even making all the cards. I'd posted like 10, 15 uh-huh. maybe. And I was like, I still got like 30 more to go. Uh-huh. And so I posted one like every week, one or two every week. And people were just like, it kept growing because people wanted to see what's the next card going to be. How is he going to modernize, you know, El Camarón? What's that one going to be, you know? What did that one turn into? El Sushi. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So that was that they were, you know, it created this journey for people to follow along. And uh, again, this was just in our project. And it was only until there was that demand of people saying, I want to buy this. Where can I buy this? That I was like, okay, maybe I can make a few to sell. Okay, so it's 2017, mm-hmm. uh, you make these cards, and then you get some interest, and you're like, okay, I guess I should make a physical game? Well, I was going to be doing a art show. Uh, okay. I was gonna At the end of the entire role, I was going to have an art show, and I was going to debut, like, all of them. Okay. And I wanted to have people who came by the art show be able to, like, take some of the game, you know? Okay. And so I was like, okay, I'll make, like, a thousand copies. Okay. That'll be, like, my first, you know... How'd you decide that number? Were you, like... I think it was just like one price. It was all I could afford. Uh-huh. Uh, I was, you know, I had saved money in advertising. I'd quit my job and I had some money just left over for me to do like freelance, just to survive, yeah. right? And that's when I was like, okay, if I, I can basically take these like almost $20,000 that were saved there uh-huh. and I just invest all of that. So basically I was like, I have no money left. I'm just gonna invest it all into making the first 1,000 sets. Okay. Um, and then that'll last me maybe like three or four months of like, you know, selling it at the event. Maybe I'll like go and sell it at, you know, at like a little kermes or like a little yeah. swap me somewhere like that, you know. But they sold out, you know, like in less than a week. Wow. Like all a thousand copies gone. And I was like, okay, this, 
there's a, a much bigger demand that I anticipated for a product like this. So it costs twenty thousand to make one thousand boxes, yeah. and you see that demand, and you're like. I should make more. Yes. And are you like, okay, let me just do the same thing again. Let me spend $20,000 I don't have for a thousand more. So that's when I was like, okay, this is a lot. This is way too much of like, I, I you know, and at the same time I was shipping like in oh. packaging and doing everything myself uh, in, you know, in my little apartment, like extra bedroom. It was just all the Loteria. That's where everything was, you know? Um, and are you back in LA at this point? Cause you were in LA before you quit your job. You go to Guatemala. Yeah, I was you there. Come back. Oh yeah, yeah. But I was in Guatemala just for like visiting. Okay. So when I came back, I was back in LA. So that was when I was making all the, you know, all the sets and everything. And um, yeah, I knew that money-wise, it was going to be. I mean, I recouped all the money. You know, yeah. I made it. But also the price point for the first edition that I did was much. It was a lot more. You know, it was like almost forty dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, this is a lot for Loteria set, but it was like very limited edition, you know, it was the first yeah. copy. So like, and people who have that set, by the way, the first one, like they have a little piece of history. It's like a you collector's, know? It's a collector's items yeah. for sure. And I know people have said like, I never opened mine. I was like, yes, <laughs> keep nice. it, you know? Cause that even that, that first edition came with little beans. Like little, like, uh, yeah. you know, like, like it, there were coffee beans that I had done, like organic, you know, uh, coffee beans that I so included. So for who don't know, when you play Loteria, you could play with anything, basically, yeah. but some people play with beans. With beans, yeah. So you did coffee beans. Yeah, in this in this version, we do uh, bitcoins. Okay. So that's, that's what you play on the markers. Okay. But yeah, I was like, how do I scale this? What do I do? And thankfully, at that time, I started getting calls from publishers. Okay. And that's when I realized, okay, this could be an avenue that I could take if I... Um, work with a publisher who could help me with distribution, help me manufacturing, and also help me find the right um, manufacturers for this kind of product because I wanted it to be made in Latin America. That's something that I was like passionate okay. about. And so um, working with them allowed me to like find the right sort of partners. Got it. And mm -hmm. what, what, what was, like, how'd you decide on the right publisher to go with? You know, every, uh, the one of the people uh, at the top of the company, she is has Hispanic heritage, Mexican okay. heritage. So she knew what Loteria was and she was a fan of us before. So she immediately had reached out being like, we, I want to talk to you. You need to meet, you know, Peter, you need to meet our, our team at Blue Star Press. You'd be amazing to come chat with them. So even just that connection of having someone who is Latino reach out to you. 99% of the opportunities I've ever gotten is someone Latino on the other end of the phone uh, calling me, whether it's a producer or, uh, you know, a creative director or anyone just in the business. It, Latinos are the ones that are pulling me up, the ones that are like recognizing what this product is. And so that connection of having someone Latino, you know, at the company really made me feel comfortable with it with, okay. with partnering with them so you find your your publishing partner and at, up to this point had blue star done other like games no i was their first their first game that they've ever done they, they were they were doing books they were just doing books they had all, only done books before and they were looking for something to get into the market and they were like you know what this is a really good product and it it has appeal that it's not just for latinos this is a uh, appeal that could go to anyone, whether you're a millennial or you're a boomer, you know, you can still, you can play this game and um, they saw the potential in it and they were like, let's invest heavily in it and it's paid off. Wow. There's not a lot of, you know, games out there that are, or at least at the time when I started, there weren't a lot of games out there that were Latino games. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you in a bit about how you get from, 
you know, selling your first thousand copies to now over 500,000 copies. Before I get to that, though, I want other people to ask you questions. Okay. So um, we partner with uh, Comcast Rise, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool programming. Comcast Rise uh, supports the growth of all small businesses and individuals committed to uplifting their communities. And in almost three years, Rise has awarded more than $125 million in monetary, marketing, and technology grants to businesses all over the U.S. Let's hear the first question. Hi, I'm Jason Brown, stock market coach and option trader and founder of the brownreport.com, a stock market education company. And my question is, when you were building your business or even today, as you continue to build your business, what's something that you do different to stand out in a noisy or a crowded marketplace, especially in this digital age where information is flying so fast and everybody swears they're an expert or the barrier to entry to get into most industries are low due to technology. And so what do you do to stand out and differentiate yourself in a crowded marketplace? One of the things I learned in advertising is like your consumer and your customer can't have a preference if they don't see a difference. If your products are looking just like everybody else's, using the same tactics, even in your, your packaging, if they can't see a difference, they can't have a preference. So you have to be something that stands out in a way that differentiates yourself from other, other, uh, other games. For instance, for me, being Latino, mm-hmm. being something that's, that, that's so personal to me that I'm proud of, that was something I wanted to put forth right away. So the box that says, you know, a party game for a new Latino generation. So you know exactly mm-hmm. what you're getting into. Um, also, I, in terms of games for Latinos as well, if you think of Loteria, you're thinking of something that you buy at the swap meet for like $2 maybe, you know, and the el carton, it's made out of something very flimsy and you don't really see that quality that I think as millennials, we want something that it feels like you're unboxing an iPhone. Yeah. So that's the kind of level of quality that I want to do for Millennial Loteria. I want them to feel that something that people put time into it, you know, and it's a hard case that you can display. Yeah. Um, it's really beautifully designed. It's minimalist, just what, what, what we like. So we're differentiating ourselves from the old Loteria to make a new path. And I think that also helped us differentiate ourselves from other games out there that aren't really saying that they're for Latinos. They're just like, I don't know, we're Monopoly or whatever it is, you know? We had a very differentiated uh, idea of what we were, so people immediately knew what it was. And then personally, I always tell businesses, put yourself in front of the camera. Put yourself in front of your social media. If you have a story to tell, that's important. And for me, that's really helped me because people now connect Mm -hmm. what I'm doing and what my, my, you know, my struggles have been into Loteria because every single car that's come from in the game that you see is related to something that happened in my life. Yeah. Not, there's not one, one card in the game that doesn't come from personal experience. And so when people see me, you know, on the internet doing all these different things, they understand where the cards that are coming next could come from, you know? Um, I, I just went through my citizenship, you know, and I ended up doing a card that was like La Nueva Ciudadana or El Fee Waiver that had to do with going through that immigration yeah. process. And so everything I do kind of relates to things I'm hearing online or things I'm doing and putting yourself in front of the camera and having that personal connection, uh-huh. I think is so much more valuable than just like putting your logo on social media. I think that's what people want to see nowadays. It's it, it, it screams authenticity too because then it's like oh i know who designed these i know the guy and and i'm guessing you had student debt then yeah well (laughs) i think also everybody has student debt at that point too as well you know uh and yeah it's hard when you're uh 
you know, also being an, an international student, yeah. there's a lot of different things where you're not qualified to receive certain like uh, student loans or anything like that. So it was hard, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, everything in there has been experienced that I've seen or something my my family's experienced, my friends, you know, conversations that we've had. So everything ties back to a moment that I can remember. Nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last question. Hello, my name is Tamisha Calhoun and I am the owner of Calhoun Sweet Treats, a local bakery here in Memphis, Tennessee. When you were in a position to realize that you knew you had to scale, how did you scale? Yeah, I mean, for that, for me, was entering into a licensing deal okay. with my publishing team because they already had those capabilities. Um, and then I could focus really on the creativity of putting together the set and just creating it and creating new versions. Um, while I had a team that helps me out with distribution, uh, you know, I still handle marketing, but just allocation of where the sets are going to go, uh, helping me pitch to different businesses. That's been something that that I really need to have a trust in them to, to help me grow. But if you're creating and design, licensing is always, it's some, it's always an option for you to do for, for your designs. So you mm -hmm. can kind of offload some of the more like supply chain. Yes, which again, operations. I think for a lot of people out there, you try to do everything and yeah. I try to do everything a lot, but there's things I'm not good at. And I know, you know, there's things my brain works in a very different way uh, creatively than people who are really into Excel, you know, yeah. and so that, and so, having people that are much smarter than you in other things, surrounding yourself with them is so important for businesses to do. Uh, it's crazy to people always think like, I could, I know better and I could do everything myself. Like I don't, I need to have that help from support from other people to, to really, um, you know, so I can focus on what I know I'm good at. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right. Thank you to those two businesses for those awesome questions. Now back to your story. So <laughs> now you're with Blue Star Press. Yes. And you have a nice successful run with a thousand copies. Mm -hmm. What's that next step when you partner with Blue Star Press officially? How many copies do you make? Where do you sell those? Well, they were like, oh, we should make 10,000 copies to see how this does, you know? And they were going to come out, uh, I think it was, they came out around November. So like before the holidays, before Christmas. And we're like, oh, it'll be good before the holidays. To, okay. like, and what year are we in now? This is 2018. This is fast. Yeah. So you designed like, digitally 2017. Yeah. And, and then, then 2018, you're 2018, having discussions about yes. this. Okay. Yeah. It took like about six months from when I signed the contract to like, hey, we need all the files and everything okay. to be ready. So it was, it was a really quick process right. of turnaround of redesigning everything um and that so they started selling those on amazon at first okay they sold out before we even got to like christmas so like by christmas everybody was being like where can i buy this game and we're like we're all sold out there's nothing so demand it that really helped out in a way of like seeing so many people wanted wow. this game and there were only like i mean ten thousand people bought it so it was a lot but those were very like cool 10,000 people early adopters who had the game and they were like spreading around on social media being look what I got and playing, you know, and um, 
people really wanted more, so they made, I think, I don't remember how much more my my publisher printed, but they were like, we're not going to sell out again, you know? Okay. They sold out again. So it was one of those things where like, we kept selling out constantly, and then, because it, just, it, people really like this game, they want the product, and that's why I have so much, like, confidence in it, because if, it, if I was having, struggling to sell it, and yeah. again, remember, remember, I don't have TV advertising, no radio yeah. advertising, no paid social media stuff at that point, nothing. It's just pure, you know, um, videos that I'm doing on social. Like organic. Organic mm-hmm. or just word of mouth or people playing it with their friends and then like, I want this when I play it, you know? Because when you play Loteria, you're playing with like five, ten people. Yeah. Those are five, ten new customers that I'm gaining every time someone plays and likes the game. So, and then how long would it take to like print? Like, okay, you sell out of 10,000 and you're like, oh, we need more. Like, how quickly can you make, you know, 10,000 more copies? Uh, nowadays, it's a lot quicker than it used to be. Uh, just because we have, like, new machines and everything. But back then, I think it was somewhere around, like, two months or so to print and distribute and have everything ready to go. Um, around two to three months, yeah. Wow. So it was a while that we were just not selling anything, which is, we, my publisher was like, we're not going to do that again. We're just going to keep producing. So after that, we never just stopped. Okay. So then, you know, it was just always, the supply was always coming. If it sold out in stores, like we were all, everything had already been printed. It's just like getting it to the store. So then it just became, you know, the stores are selling out too fast out of it. You got to order more product. And then you eventually get a call from a company that's headquartered in Minnesota. Uh (laughs) And it has a red logo. Yes. How did that happen? Can I say that? I can't say yeah, the name. Say the okay, name. okay, okay. I was like, okay, am I not supposed <laughs> to say the names? No, you can uh, say that. Please tell us what company we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Target. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in, actually, we, I got a. Um, it was they have a, a little incubator pro- project. Okay. I think at Target for a Latin accelerator. It's called. Okay. And, and that's where brands, if you are a Latino brand, they're looking for different things that reach different demographics. So, um, I went through that process, and they kind of do like a mock interview of how to sell your product. Okay. So they just teach you how to, you know, here's how you would sell the target to a buyer. Here's what you're doing right. Here's what you're doing wrong. And so I really got a hands-on experience of how it would take to sell to them. Um, and then when it came down to actually doing my pitch, I was really prepared. Uh, they, I think they might have known about the project already and the product. And we had, you know, a great sales track record. So uh, it was just, they wanted something, you know, Millennial Today, when it first started, it's a little raunchy. Target was like, hey, would you be interested in doing a family-friendly version? And I was like, yes, like, I have so many people that are like, my grandma almost fainted when she was playing your game, you know, like, you need to make a family friendly version. This is like, this is the perfect brand to do that with. So I had to, we had to go in and redesign a little bit, take the bad cards in, put in the more family friendly cards, not the bad cards, but the cards that like would make your grandma faint, right? Uh, And I was like, okay, now we have an exclusive at Target, which is great if you can get an exclusive because then Target just buys the products from you. And if they don't sell it, then they there's nothing they don't have to return it because it's exclusive to them you know I can't go sell it somewhere else but they they've been selling you know out of them they I think the first order that they did was around fifty to fifty thousand to seventy thousand wow. copies of ordered of Millennial Teria. and I think it was like it was fifty thousand and then seventy thousand afterwards like a couple months after once they saw and again this sold out at every Target when it's when it launched like the week that it launched. Every single target sold out of them. I mean, when you say, you've said the word sold out like seven times at this yes. point, 
how does it feel to first you have like the the Amazon sellout, which is or the thousand one sellout. Yeah, very cool, very cool, right? Very awesome. The yeah. ten thousand sellout Amazon, very cool. It's Amazon, so yeah. like whatever. Yeah. But then Target, and then for them to sell out, not just at like it's not just one store. No. in Texas or in LA, they sell out all the stores they were placed at. Yeah, like, how do you feel? How, how does something like that feel? That's a success, no? It was wild because I also again. I got a call from the people at Target. They called my publisher. They uh-huh. called me. They called my publisher, and this was like the first week it was out. And they were like, "What did you do? Like, did you guys not tell us that you had a like an advertising campaign? What like why is this selling? Like, because we were I think we were the top selling product at Target that week, the week that we launched. Like, not of the game category. Like of all the products yeah. that was what's selling the most and it was because i had done a tiktok that i posted um that like when it launched i posted a tiktok that was telling my story I was saying hey you know in 2017 i invested my money uh, my savings into making this game here's what it is here's the story that i've been to we've done a lot and now we're gonna be launching a target and that tiktok got i think it was like 10.3 million views and so all of those sales that were going to Target were people who were seeing the TikTok and wanted to buy this game and just went to Target to buy it. So it just kind of happened again organically. No paid anything, just this is what we did. Um, and it connected with people. And that's when I know that we're very underrepresented Latinos because the demand for product is this huge and people just they want to see themselves represented in a modern, cool, fun way. We can laugh at ourselves. And I think that's what the, this product does. And really connect it with people. Yeah, it struck a chord. And yeah. it reminds me of your Olivia Munn kind of very organic campaign mm-hmm. where you're creating something that you 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 love to Olivia Munn. Mm-hmm. So it was natural to do that. You love this product mm-hmm. and it's your story. So you share it on TikTok and people, people follow. And I tell people all the time about it, put yourself in front of the camera, mm. tell them about your story because your story is just as important of the, as the product that you create, you know? Yeah. And you have a product that doesn't have a story, then there's an issue there. I think that's, that's where your issue is of not being able to, to be big on social media or to get something. If your product doesn't have a story behind it, uh, something real, authentic, not something made up, an advertising campaign. If there's not something that people can latch onto with you as a business owner, I think that's where your business might have a little bit of an issue. It reminds me, we had Patty Rodriguez, who was a co I love her. Little Libros. Love her. Um, And she mentioned something similar. She's like, her product came about because she wanted the product. She's Mm -hmm. like, I want books like this for my kid. And I think there's a saying, I'm going to butcher it, but it says like, if you like something, there's chances are someone else likes it too. Like you're not the only person. We're unique, but we're not that unique. Yeah. And in your case, it's like, I think people resonate with your story. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, they see themselves um, in you. One thing that I want to address is the elephant in the room, which is money. Yeah. You know, so you quit your job for six months, you go back uh, before, you know, you have all this millennial uh, uh, success. My first question, why'd you go back after six months? Uh, Because I got a call from my boss and he was like, hey, you've left and I, I know you wanted to move up in the in the business, you know, and there wasn't an opportunity at the time, but I think I've made the opportunity for oh, you. Wow. Would you be willing to come back? And I was like, I don't know. I got all this stuff coming on. And I was like, I'll come back if you like double my salary, expecting you would say no, you know, because uh-huh. how do you come? And you go like, and at that point it was like, I was at that point I was making six figures in advertising. Wow. And I was like, I want double this. He did it. He matched it. And I was like, there's absolutely no way that I can't go back to this for this kind of money. Like I'll do it, you know? And then I'll, and I, but I told him, 
hey, I can do this, and I'll come back, and I'll work here, and I'll, you know, I'll work really hard for the, you know, for a long time. It was over nine, like two, three years, I think, that I worked there. Um, three or four years at that point, more. Uh, but I need to be able to have Millennial Loteria as a side project. I need to be able to take time off to work on this. I need to be able to like go take meetings. It's it's another side gig that I I don't want to interfere with the job, and I'll try to make sure that they're like. But sometimes things are going to overlap. And he was like, okay, fine, you do it. You work on your things. And so I did both. I was doing double duty, working to build Millennial Tria up, working in advertising, you know, making commercials. And it was an incredibly stressful time in my life. Uh, and then after a while, I was like, Millennial Tria is getting so big that I can't really do this anymore. But I was starting to make more money making Millennial Tria that I was at my job. And so it was an easy thing to say, okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna focus on this, and this is something that is mine. I'm not working on somebody else's, you know, yeah. products or things to sell. This is my thing, and um, I believe in it. So that's that's why have happened. There's a saying that says the math ain't mathin', but in this case, the math was math. The math was mathin'. Yeah, the math. <laughs> but yeah, again, if any, if you ever get offered twice your, and I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know, I'm doing the same thing for double. Sure. But it was the money before. <laughs> yeah, and they valued you clearly because they were allowing you to do that. That's awesome. You're yeah. valued at your workplace, and then you have this awesome value asset that you're building on your own. I'll, so you eventually decided to to quit. Yeah. And what was that like to to leave corporate America and leave your? I mean, uh, I'm sure you were working more than nine to five, but leave your nine to five. Yeah, it was so freeing. <laughs> it was so freeing. I'm telling you, like, I just don't think I could go back to working in advertising now after having my own business and doing my own hours. And now I have a baby, you know, and she's 14 months old okay. now. And we, I, you know, she's been, I play with her every day. I take care of her every day. We don't have like a nanny or anything because wow. I can just make my own hours. And I'm like, okay, I'm only going to work this amount. And then the next, this amount of time I'm going to spend with my, my baby, um, you know, and again, you just get inspired by, by your baby. I'm coming out with children's books too. Like Patty Rodriguez was like a big inspiration for that as well, but. It is true when you see something for your child. I was like, I want my baby to speak English and Spanish because I know it's so important. You know, the reason I was getting paid double at my yeah. job was because I was doing the the work of someone who spoke English and then doing the same job for someone who spoke Spanish. And so I was doing both, running a general market campaigns and I was running Hispanic campaigns. So I was like, of course I need to get paid double. And I tell everybody out there, if you are bilingual. And you do stuff in English and in Spanish, you can get a little more money. Yeah, and 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 it's even more than just speaking two languages. In your case specifically, because it wasn't just that you could translate and no. add. It's like culturally, you also were culturally resonant. You knew yeah. the references, and you knew how to adapt a live mass. I mean, the live mass yeah. campaign, and to have it resonate with the harshest critics of, of tacos, I'm sure too. Yeah, American but that was tacos. before. Because then I worked on Honda. That was my main okay. client when I was uh, working at, at this other agency. It was the helpful Honda campaign. Okay. Those teams, so I was helping people too as well. So it was really, really okay. fulfilling. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about. Uh, can we say the name of the the book? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Cisabo. Cisa so the name of our book series of our entire book publishing empire, as I call it, we're gonna grow. Uh, you got a vision. You got to put out a vision. Yeah. You got to manifest it. It's called Cisabo Kids, and our first books from Cisabo Kids are called Los Street Vendors, and it's a three book collection of stories about street vendors, uh, El Paletero, El Carrito de Flores, El Carrito de Frutas. Um, and they teach kids bilingualness, uh, not bilingual, but like, you know, English and Spanish words. So El Carrito de Frutas is teaching kids Spanish and English words for fruits. 
el, you know, el, el, el paletero has paletas of different shapes. Yeah. And so, you know, you're teaching him different shapes. And, and like la paleta de estrella, la paleta que es un círculo. Uh, and that's going to help people, I think, growing up to, to speak English and Spanish and be, si sabo kids, not no sabo kids. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And when, when can customers expect the first uh march, march okay. so march of 2024 so uh that's when they'll be uh available you can start pre-ordering now okay. uh so if you want to get them you know be the first ones to get them you can pre-order them on amazon right now very cool it's a very natural extension of kind of what you've been doing yeah but different age group and a different product technically because these are books. and again inspired by my life it was not like i didn't have a kid and i'm doing children's yeah. book now i'm like i'm gonna make by the time these books are out my baby will be at the age when she'll start to actually be able to uh, she enjoys them now you know but she'll be there at, at the time when she can start seeing those books and practicing English and Spanish um, and I want to continue to make books as she grows up uh, so every year I want to come out with a new book for her to help her uh, in her Spanish English journey because she's going to grow up here in the United States you know she's going to grow up speaking English but I also wanted to speak Spanish just like me because there's so many benefits mm -hmm. to that Yeah, and it's under there, the street vendors umbrella, which I think if you live in a city like L.A., New York, Chicago, mm -hmm. I mean, every major city, uh, there's a big correlation or a big appreciation for street vendors in Latino culture. Well, there's also been very, uh, there's been so many attacks, too, mm -hmm. on, like, the street vendor community that I wanted to make something that showcased how important they are, uh, even from a young age to people, uh, and how valued they, the street vendor community needs to be in places like LA or Texas or other places like that where there's a lot of Latino population. Very cool. So I want to talk about the now with Millennial Loteria. Yeah. Like, what does the team look like now? Like, uh, you, you still have the licensing agreement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, do you have a team? How does the, how does the cookie get made? I yeah, guess. I have a publishing team okay. uh, that also helped me out with that. Uh, Gerardo Guillen, who is, was my art director, still is my art director partner in advertising. Mm -hmm. um, he works with me as well in creating and designing new cards. We have a small team of illustrators uh, that, that are in Mexico. That, uh, Perla and Charlie that help us out with when we have, you know, big custom projects that we need to do. Like sometimes I have brands that come in and they're like, hey, we need something in the next two weeks. And I was like, okay, we can't do this ourselves. Uh, and so now we have a little sort of team that helps me with design and just packaging and uh, making sure that everything's print ready. Um, Wait, and what, what is print ready? What does that mean? So when you go to Uh, it, you can design something, you know, but then when you go to the printer, it has what the colors that are on the screen are not the same colors that maybe that are getting printed. Uh, there's guidelines of where everything has to be cut. Okay. And so all those things had to be put into files and then to make it like, okay, now I can go to print. It's not just like designing something. The printer has to have very specific things to like, here's how our molds are made for your bitcoins. You have to, here's the sizes that you have to hit. Um, and, you know, we do print and something's off, you know, like the logo's to the left uh -huh. or something's wrong. So you got to like, keep making until it's perfect. So they help out with a lot of that okay. attention to detail. And a big part that you mentioned is kind of these brand, these campaigns that you, you mm -hmm. do now. And one really cool one was with Disney yeah. for the movie Wish. Yeah. Tell me about that campaign. Yeah, we had worked uh, with Disney before on the movie Encanto. And we had done game like a whole Loteria set for them for the release of Encanto. And that was huge. So uh, once, uh, you know, 
Wish came along. Disney was like, hey, we had a lot of fun working with you. Would you be down to do it for this next movie? Um, and I was like, yeah, of course. I'd love to, to partner with you. And I already had a great working relationship with them. Um, and the you know fans seem to like the idea of seeing your characters that you love in a loteria style, mm -hmm. which is really great. And I always say like you can make anything into a loteria card. That's the mm -hmm. beauty of, of of this art form. Yeah. So and then you've you've done it with Xfinity as well. Yes, uh, McDonald's was a big one okay. that we did recently uh, for Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, and we're just open to working with different brands. I think next year I definitely am gonna be working more focusing on products for ourselves. Okay. Not something working too much with brands. Uh, but at the time being, it's just, it's been so fun to see brands that I wouldn't think of knowing Latino culture embrace something like Loteria uh, as, a, a, you know, as part of their marketing campaigns. It's, yeah. It not only speaks to the power of Latinos that we have, the buying power, um, but also how ubiquitous and um, popular Latino culture is becoming uh, in the United States. Yeah. So I mentioned one elephant in the room was money. The second yeah. elephant in the room is copyright. Yes. So the original Loteria game is uh, with is printed. Is, or the, is Don Clemente. Owned, yeah, Don Clemente. Yeah. They own the... They own the trademark to okay. the word Loteria. Okay. So they have that trademark. So when I had to do my licensing deal with uh, Blue Star Press, we also had to have a licensing deal with Don Clemente. And so we have a licensing deal with them to use the word Loteria and to also uh, some of the images that in this set that are more closely tied like La Sirena. Um, so they, you know, that's very close to what they're doing before. So we have a licensing deal for those images as well. Got it. And mm -hmm. that's like a, a revenue share type deal? Is that yeah, how? yeah. It's just a percentage of like, so if you ever support Millennium Loteria, uh, you're also supporting the original Loteria as well. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and now I want to talk about Mil at Millennial Loteria yeah. and kind of what, what that's become because I was checking out your profile uh, for Millennial Loteria and I'm like, oh, if I didn't know any better, I'm like, this is a guy mm -hmm. who's just sharing his life. And mm -hmm. I think it is kind it of is. what that that's is. So what tell it me is, about yeah. the ethos for for Millennial Loteria. I, I, you were telling me you, you walked down the street and people were like, Are you, hey, you're the Millennial Loteria guy. You're the Loteria guy, guy yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's been cool. Uh, you know, I think for a lot of the time in my life, I've been sort of pigeonholed into doing stuff like, oh, you're the Latino creator for Hispanic Latino-ness, you know, in advertising, you know? I and mean, I was like, I'm more than that. And I just didn't want to be known as the guy who does Loteria, even though I'm happy with that, you know? I know I have a lot more to offer um, in terms of whether it's comedy or just, you know, how I work and how... As a writer or as a director, I, I know I can do a lot more. And so I always, you know, when I did Millennial Teria, for me, it's something that I'm proud of, but it's also a stepping stone for other things that I want to do with my life, you know? Um, and that's why I tell people, once you accomplish a dream, what's the next dream? What's yeah. the next goal? Um, what do you want to see yourself later on in life? Uh, and for me, social media is a way to do that, you know, because I don't have to pay anyone to use social media. I just, you know, unless you're paying for Twitter, which don't, uh, but if you don't have to pay anything, you know, to, to use Instagram and, and post things on there. So I'm just sharing my life. And like I said, Millennial Loteria was always an expression of who I was, what I was feeling. And I, I don't want that to go away. You know, I don't want, I, that's always going to be a part of, of Millennial Loteria is my journey. And because it's called Millennial Loteria too, it, Millennials are growing. We're not yeah. longer the same we were like 10, 15 years ago. And so my audience can grow with me. You know, I'm having babies. My audience is having babies. Yeah. And that's just sort of natural progression of, of, of using social media to showcase yourself. Yeah. I will say there's companies out there that are paying millions of dollars, you know, uh, to teams of people, you know, to appear human online. 
Oh. You know, you have brands that are like pretending to be human and have sass and like, oh, this is so sassy, you know. Those are just marketing decisions. I've seen how like the sausage gets made, you know, like this is just a hierarchy of people pretending and knowing what to do so that on social media something goes viral, you know, yeah. and they're paying, get paid a lot of money to do it. On my side, I'm just being human. I'm just doing what I, you know, what I like to do on social media and sharing that. And that authenticity, I think, is why Millionaire has been successful in social media space compared to maybe other companies who, who just do it by committee, you know, not by mm -hmm. like the realness of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. love that. All right, well, to end, I want to ask you some business 101 questions. Si. All right, so these are rapid fire questions. Okay. So my first one is, what is your earliest money memory? My earliest money memory would have to be my parents telling me how much my school cost them in Guatemala. I went to like a bilingual school and they were like, this is how much we pay for you a month, you know, to go to the school. And I always like had in my mind like, oh my God, like I really have to, you know, pay attention and do because my parents are working so hard and this is like the amount of money that they're paying for me to go there. I, and again, looking back on it now, I'm like, okay, it wasn't that expensive, but it was, the, but when yeah. you're a little kid, you know, you're like, whoa, how much? Wow. Like I gotta like, you know, yeah. really pay. So that really made me focus into like, I gotta get my money's worth, you know? And then when I came to study at the university here at Chapman University, that was like a 40,000 a year university, yeah. you know? My parents were like mortgaging their house. They're doing all these different things to be able to pay for it. Um, so I, again, was did not like skip any classes. I just always was a great student at school because I know how hard my parents were working for me. And when you're an immigrant in this country, you're just like, you, you have to be the best to succeed. You know, you have to be better than everybody else. Um, also to prove yourself, you know? Uh, and I think that's why it just it pushed me so hard to, just to know how much the investment your parents are making. You got to get your money's worth, I always say. Right. Um, if you had a business school course, what would it be called? So Mike 101. Mike 101 would probably be, it's just call yourself, uh, you know, social media for entrepreneurs, how to put yourself in front of the camera. That would be my thing. I Teaching entrepreneurs how to, how to talk to the audience and do that kind of stuff. That's what I would love to do. It's a subhead class. Yeah. Those, those, those are the good ones. Yeah. Um, what's the best business advice you've ever received? Um, I will say, I'll say it again. Uh, if, you know, if you're, if you, your audience can't see a difference, they can't have a preference. That is what differentiation is really the name of the game when it comes to like standing out, find something that makes your product unique that nobody else can say or can take away from you. Um, and that's when, that's when you know you're going to have a hit. Love it. All right. And finally, who else should we have a, as a guest lecturer? Ooh, who else should you have as a guest lecturer? Uh, um, I think, uh, do you know Bricia from I Love... From Galagetza? From Galagetza, huh, uh, She also does like I Love Chamoy. Yes. And then the... Let me chill. Well, her no, brother sorry, not, does... Not, sorry, no, uh, yeah, 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 as well, yeah. Let's no, Annie, I, I Love Chamoy is Annie Leal. So yeah. anyone who does I Love Chamoy or like I Love Micheladas or do anything else, you know, like that, those people are really cool. Okay, so food, food product. Food you're, products. You're oh, yeah, food products for sure. Yeah, uh, Bricia Lopez and Annie Leal. Annie Leal, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Will you help us get them on the show? Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bricia right. would be awesome here, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. she's local. Um, all right, well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on Business School. We really appreciated having you as our guest lecturer. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, it's Fernando. If you like this episode, go back and subscribe to get notified when new episodes drop. And if you really, really like the episode, make sure to leave a review. 
It helps others find the most affordable business school out there right now. Business School. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.